I'm a true champion. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestle Plug Podcast. I'm Aaron Nix, as you know. Now, the handsome, ludicrously handsome devil on the screen next to me is somebody you may recognise, particularly if you're a part of the independent scene in the southeast and particularly in the Hampshire region. It is, of course, the Samoan legend himself, Eddie Kenway. Welcome to the podcast, mate. It has been a long time coming, sir. Hi there, Aaron. It's, it's nice to be here. I mean, uh, yeah, it's about time I um, get on a platform where I can actually talk to people. You don't just see this guy grunting and go, ooh, I'm going to smash you in a bit and uh, maybe get to know me a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, people won't realise how much of a lovely human being you are until you get in the ring and then you hurt people. And I admire that because I'm very similar. You're basically the Samoan version of me, which I uh, I adore, to be honest, mate. Now, obviously, there'll be plenty to talk about, plenty of discussion, probably ruffle some feathers along the way as well. But for people who don't know who Eddie Kenway is, um, tell us basically a little bit about yourself and what you are capable of. Okay. Um... So Eddie Kenway is this, um, it's the culmination of, 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 I don't know, 20, 30 years of what I wanted to be when it came into wrestling. You know, you, you do do the old create a character when you're playing Smackdown Raw or whatever it was back in the day on the N64. Um, creating a character was brilliant back then. I was always um, looking up to go, I've got Triple H. And I'd always thought, oh, I'll be a bit like him. I'm Triple X. Triple X was a thing of, ah, oh, no, I don't get not. Became a movie. Um, but it was something I was interested in at school. Um, being where we are, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think it would have been difficult to find a, somewhere to train. But back in the time where I was at school, I had had uh, had a passion to go and do wrestling. Um, there wasn't anywhere around the internet really wasn't a thing when it came to um, sourcing things like that for wrestling mm. school uh, so I attended a lot of gospel shows um, I ended up bumping into Chris K uh, so I talked to him I wrote letters uh, we were sorted to start training because he'd, he'd had a uh, a space down at Don Styler's, which is a big weightlifting gym. Mm. Um, he had a ring rented down there. And I think he, he broke something quite quite important. I don't know, shoulder or collarbone, something like that. And he was out of action for a little bit. And that kind of didn't really take off for me because I didn't get the first, first bit of uh, training under my belt. I didn't get any time in the ring to take bumps, not running the ropes, not on that sort of stuff. And then... Um, the dream kind of fizzled a little bit there and I thought this is so hard just to try and find somewhere to actually get in a ring, talk to someone. Um, and this would have been in what, 1998, 1999. Mm. Uh, that was the year I finished school in 99. So you can imagine how people might say otherwise that it wasn't difficult. You just look in the right places, but you know, I had nowhere to, nowhere to go. I don't know where, where I was looking. Um, who do I talk to? Um, so that fizzled out then. 
my dad said to me, well, get yourself a trade. Everyone needs a trade. So I went to college. I did um, bricklaying, spent two years there doing a three-year course, blitzed through that. Um, it, it turns out if you've got a little bit of common sense, you can smash all the the intellectual stuff, all the paperwork that you need to get through pretty quickly. And I was in out of there about six months earlier than I should have been. Um, it had its own politics, it had its own crap that goes with it as well. Um, like paying your dues and wrestling, you get that in, in the construction industry, you put up with the, the shit gets thrown your way. And, you know, you mature into an adult. And it's character building. They say it's character building. Some people take that as, oh, you can't do that these days. Not, But sometimes, you know, the hazing. It's the hazing yeah. thing yeah. that you get in, in, in a in a something like that um so i get my career under my belt and then i think to myself well yeah it's if i've got to get this this itch if, if i've got to do it i've got to do it now and i'm reaching my 30s and i thought well once i'm trained so many years i might be able to actually do something so um Internet's a bit better these days. Facebook's around. Hmm. Um, I managed to tap up two places. Um, one was the Portsmouth School of Wrestling, which you all know is the supply for Revolution Pro Wrestling. And the other one was Varsity Pro Wrestling, run by the UK Kid. Yeah. Now, I'd applied for the boot camp with, with Varsity Pro Wrestling every weekend. And... The class, that class was that boot camp was, was something special. Um, we had a few people that came, disappeared, and then in that class was myself and um, Jamie Hater. People would know as Jamie Hater. Mm. Um, you see every work she's done now. Um, and then once we got through the boot camp stage, you know, sign up, go every week, you pay your money. You do your drills, you do your rolls, you do your bumps. Um, what I will say about the UK kids, I think he gets a lot of um, a shit off people for being a certain way. Um, he is very instrumental in uh, giving the foundations for some of the great wrestlers that you see um, on the Indies. Um, some that you might not not see or know of, and then and then there's some people that uh, that you might see on TV. I mean, obviously Jane Hayer ended up uh, uh, transitioning over to Repro after a certain amount of time, and I think it's because the UK t kid teaches a certain way. You get all your fundamentals right, you get your footwork right, you get your bumping right, and everything else from there on, you you just ask to learn. Um, also from, from Varsity Pro Wrestling's school came Sky Smithson, someone else you, you get on well with. She is so, so underutilised, underrated. She should be miles ahead of where she is. Um, and I think it's because of the way people tag her with the Varsity School for uh, Pro Wrestling um, and being... I suppose a protege of the UK kid. Mm. Um, 
like I said, he gets a lot of flack. He's never done anything wrong by me. He's he's always treated me well. He's he's um he's instilled that good base that I've got for footwork and all this timing stuff that that some people don't get. Um, and <laughs> other people don't know don't know as well. Jay White actually came through that school as well. My first ever first ever match was with Jay White. This oh, is awesome. New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> Jay White. Um, ends up tag match, and this this was a holiday camp. So people in wrestling pay their dues with holiday camp shows. It's a good way to practice your craft. It's a good way to um, try things out with your character. So this is is I'll tell you stories. Um, one of those real weird ones. They always say to you, when you started wrestling, make sure you've got some sort of basic gear, and always carry it with you. Mm. This is one of those situations where I wish I'd had some basic gear and I'd carry it with me. Um, so, um, Tom, the UK kid, he's asked me if I'll run the guys up to the show, um, the, the holiday camp show. And I thought, yeah, I'll help put the ring up. This is part of the pay my dues. I help put the ring up. Um, one of the guys no shows. So you've got me, um, Tom, Jay White and uh, Joe Bly, his name is. Um, he went under the name Caden Bley or Caden Gray or something like that. Um, so he ended up having a tag match, and one of the guys didn't turn up. And we were rambling around trying to get myself some sort of ring gear put together. So I had some of my training gear with me. I had my knee pads. I ended up going out with some sort of singlet and a pair of shorts, which I trained in, which were just plain blue. So you know, I think we got away with it look-wise. And it was it was an okay match. It actually, wasn't terrible. You, you think about having the first match, how nerve wracking it is. I've got a picture of myself somewhere, having taken a selfie in front of the ring, and the nerves in my face. Oh my god, I speak a million things. But yeah, everything that I was taught by Tom worked. Um, so we had these spots with Jay White, and I was taking taking drop pics of Jay White. It's fantastic, and. Um, you know, he's selling for me. He's given me um, so much good advice in the past. Um, but back back to this match, you know, myself and Tom, we, we're working as the heels, and the heat is is phenomenal to the point where we've got at the end of the match, even though the good guys have won, we've got these kids snapping open their toys and they're lobbing these batteries at us. It's, I'm loving it. I'm like, I'm just soaking it all in, and it's like this heel thing, it works. Mm. And it might be basic stuff, it might be holiday cab stuff. It, uh, that's the basics for anything when you work as a heel. Um, I mean, I, I'm quite happy that that guy pulled out that day and gave me a chance. Um, strangely enough, on the same same show, we had Marty Skull versus Andy Simmons. So, you know, that was just, Mar um, I think Marty was just breaking into his villain. Mm. Uh, gimmick trying things out and um i think everything was ref ref by um oh what's his name? i forget his name he's just passed as well and god i just remember the conversations backstage and i'm cacking myself these are all these pro wrestlers and i'm what am i meant to be doing and you know jay jay white's turned to me and said look you've got this you carry yourself really well just go out there and do that and you know i did and tom there 
holding holding my hand in a sense, but he, he literally called everything to me, making sure I was doing everything right. And it's so surreal. And in the same sense, you know, yeah, it's one of those things you have to do. That first step that everyone has to take. And mm. you know, you, you lead on and there was um shows on after that and I ended up uh, they they ran shows at uh, Portsmouth Guildhall for a while. Um, I don't know what happened. Um, I think like a money flow thing happened. Like it happens because Portsmouth Guildhall is not it's not cheap to run. Um, and he had guys like Brodus Clay over. He had Finn Balor over before. Him in his transition between New Japan and going to WWE, he was he was there as as Prince Devitt. And yeah, we got to meet these guys and take a bit of uh, take a bit of knowledge from them, take a bit of advice, listen to everything they, you know that they they had to say to us and you know they've all been in the same boat, they've all they've all done the same thing. Um, uh, for about three days straight I was uh, I was a chauffeur for Brodus Clay. And <laughs> there's some there's some stories there. Just, what was that like? Because <laughs> he's got quite a we, reputation himself. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've got it too, too, too much of that, but he seemed like a nice enough guy, a little bit on the moody side, but he, he told us one story about Heath Slater, and that's about it. So from him. Um, <laughs> really want to share much? <laughs> no, nah, not really. Um, but yeah, it's just surreal. You've got all these people that you, you see on TV, I mean, obviously they, they get released, and then they, they do the indie scene, they do the UK. And you get to meet them, and then you know you can either pick your brains, or um, as Tom taught us most of the time, to be professional. You know, we're here to work work with them. You don't want to be there marking out like, you know, like, like fans all the time. Some see that as a good thing. Some see that don't. You know, some people will tell you get your photos when you can. You know, you are a fan. Once everyone in the business is a fan. Um, I suppose the thing taking the thing from it is don't talk to them like they're a mark. Be respectful, you know. If they're not in the mood to give you a picture or an autograph, respect their space. I mean that's pretty much all all you can say about that. Um I mean eventually I did transition as well over to Rev Pro, just like Jamie Hayter did. Yeah. Um different kettle of fish there. I mean so, so I've, I've gone over there. I've got this good base, um, and then now I'm learning different things. And I've, I've got in my head where I want to slot in. And at the time, they got their contenders division. I think Rob Lyus, Dan McGee, um, Curtis Chapman. Those, those were the contenders at the time. Mm. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll give myself a few months. My ring. If I get up to speed, I'll be on their level. And as the standard I was, I think, yeah, I could, back then a few years ago, I could catch up, no problem. Um, but then again, I'm a different style wrestler. You see me wrestle. I'm a different style wrestler than what they are. Um, but then they're contenders division over at Ref Pros so that you work without a character. You just start, you develop your character like, like the um, the young lions from Japan, when they they 
they leave their role as a young lion. They they travel the world and they develop their character and they come back like uh, the Great Okan. He was with Repro for a little while. Mm. Um, he left New Japan, came back, and he's got this uh, hitman gimmick. But it's he is brutal, you know. He's uh, the, the guy's such a nice guy. And I didn't get to work with him lots when he was over, but you know you get to do training matches with him. And you're thinking, geez, this guy is world class, and I'm getting to share a room with him. And this this guy is taking DDTs off of me. He's taking clotheslines. He's big. These are big moves, you know, big guy moves. And I was gutted. I never got a chance to actually have a match with him, whether it was on a camp show or something else like the Portsmouth Guildhall or Buckland. But um, yeah, I think. There quickly, it was apparent that there is a little bit of the click going in there. Um, I think it happens anywhere where you've got a certain group of people and they get treated slightly different than everyone else. Maybe they'll get a little bit more opportunity than someone else. And I was always in the background. Um, I'm always reliable. I mean, I mean, I won't. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I was, I mean, you look at my age, people don't, I mean, I'm nearly 40 now. I don't look 40. People say, oh, you look 29, 30. Like, uh, last time I had a conversation like that with someone, like, they, they said 26, but maybe not now. Um, yeah, so I don't, I, had, I sat down and had a conversation with um, Andy Q, and he, he obviously, I've got, I've got that VPW tar brush all over me. Hmm. And I'm thinking maybe that's probably going to hold me back. So I sat down, had a talk with him. I said, what do you want? And he just said some loyalty. I want loyalty from you. And I'm like, okay, that I can do. I've been with Repro six years. That's criminal. That's criminal that I've been in there for six years. I've not had a chance. You got to work a few shows, haven't you? You've done like Buckland Community Centre, which I know is, <clears throat> you know, the trainee shows and stuff like that. Mm. But so, so they, they they have these trainee shows, mm. but they'll have an idea of who's been attending a lot compared to you know, um, say you've got a ten week run up to a show, mm. someone who has attended most of their training sessions up to that show, and and. You know, if it has improved, or is it a decent standard of guest spot? I've got no issue with that. You know, someone's working hard, they've got the time to do that. He's raising someone like myself. I, like I said, with my age, I've got three kids, I've got a mortgage, I've got a full time job. Um, on top of that, I've got I've got to do all the other things you need to do in wrestling as well. Keep yourself fit, lift weights, you know, watch your diet. Um, and this is when I start bringing my personal life into a little bit. Um, Andy Q knew and, and Andy Simmons who ran at the time as well I'm not going to shout Andy Simmons because he's one person who's actually always had my back as well Sure, um, podcast mate you say what you want to say yeah um, I have three children and all three of them are special needs and I don't mean you know uh, you get these people who push special needs down people's throats all the time I don't say it I don't tell people about it a lot mm. Um but it's hard work, you know, where you've got 
say someone has has a child with Down syndrome, their their whole life is is devoted to that that one child. Let alone any other children they've got, having to deal with that in their own life and their own job and everything else that comes with it. Um, I've got three of those, and they're all different. Um, they got this thing called twenty two Q duplication. Um, it's like having it's like having Down syndrome, but you you looking at them, you wouldn't say that they do because it is not always physical traits when it comes to it. Two of my, my kids are autistic and they're both completely separate ends of the spectrum. Mm. One's shy, you know, and he'll break down and cry at any, anything that he's pressured into. The other one's like a bloody Tasmanian devil and he'll rip up your, your living room like that and, you know, you go home from work and what's he been up to? You've got mum's makeup all over the wall and you've got to try and sort that out as well and you know there's tears everywhere and at the end of the day that comes first before you've got to get your training gear on and get head down to Portsmouth to go and do training and some days you'll get home from work you've done 12 hours on your feet lifting concrete blocks working up and down a ladder you've done your 15k you've done 15k I've done a step down and you do 15k a day and then people tell me I'm not doing enough cardio um I get home, I've got to deal with all that. I've got to try and have a shower, make myself strong and presentable, and be on time for, for training. Oh, by the way, I've got to, I've got to go to the gym as well. Um, there's only so many hours in the day. So, I've, gave, I've given six years to Repro, and they say they're given, they, they might say they're given the chance, they might, they might not, they might, they might even watch this podcast, I'm not going to fuck, who cares. Um, I've always been really reliable for them. It come to a point I remember the last the last show I did them. Sky was actually at this show, hmm. and I'm going to tell this story. I'm not going to mention names, but this is oh. one of the biggest things that pissed me off. Um, so, shows get announced. Um, the talent gets announced beforehand, so you know you can plug it on social media. Mister hmm. X and Mister Y are going to have this match. It's going to be you know, this stipulation or not, whatever. So they've got they've got ten weeks to promote their their place on this show. They also means means because these people are announced in advance, they get spot on a poster. Some people don't turn up to training and some people get spot on those posters, whether they deserve them or not. Sometimes it's due to physique. And that's one thing that pisses me off. I've been on one poster for Repro, and this specific guy has been on every single poster since. I was on, he was on that poster as well, actually. I um, he doesn't, he never really turned up to training, and I think it was the Wednesday before that show on on the Saturday, Buckland. Um, we were doing our usual stuff, um, warm ups, rolls, bumps, hitting the ropes. And doing um, just tags in and out, what they call. So basically, you're keeping your tech, keeping your technical stuff up to scratch and decent enough. Um, and I can see the two Andys at the corner of my talking. And and then um, Andy Sims comes to me and says, "Gaff, what are you doing Saturday?" Now, me do having the foresight, I've already planned ahead. I've said to the wife. Look, um, um, I haven't got a spot on the show yet. Hmm. 
probably not going to get a sponsor show, but I'm going to go down Saturday, help with the ring, help with merch, whatever, do music, because it's part of paying your dues. At 38 years old, after being in it for six years, that's still part of paying your dues. So, um, I answered back as I was, yeah, I'm down Saturday anyway, what's the problem? Oh, you'll be, you'll be facing this guy. Okay, where is he? Let's have a, let's have a, a bit of a throw together with the match. Let's, let's do something today. All right, he's not here. Is he going to be down Saturday? No, he's not. He's just going to turn up to the venue half an hour, half an hour before the, the ring gets there. Um, so I've turned up with Miss Smithson. And in, this is this is her first, um, I say, small show for Red Pro. But you might be first show for Red Pro. Um, she's got Zan Phoenix. Now these two work really well all together all the time. Um, Great workers. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is, but Sky brings out the best in Zan Phoenix from all the shows that I've seen them on. Um, and I think they had a, a decent enough match at that show. For, for Andy Q to say, right, I should really be booking Sky more often. And I'll put, I'll put Sky over to the Calco time. She's so underrated, so unbelievable. Um, again, I think it is the, the VPW tile with that. Um, so before the show, people, people don't realize what happens, or maybe they do. Um, we set the ring up, we set the chairs up. Um, the guys who've got major bits in in the show will go for any big spots they need to iron out, make sure that it's legitimately able to be done. Um, so I managed to corner the guy, managed to get him in the ring, and Sky's listening in the outside just to kind of oversee things. With the, the brain that she's got, she kind of always has my back to make sure I'm not doing anything silly, I'm not doing anything that's not, um, oh, what's the word? It, nothing that doesn't make sense. So at this point, no one's told us he's going over yet. Um, yeah, but I'm presuming this guy's going over. He's on. He's on the poster. He's the good guy. He's going over. So yeah, I'll work out some stuff with him. And halfway through calling it, he leans back in the turnbuckle and he goes, "If you want a shit match, you have a shit match." Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you do when someone says that to you? You're trying to put them over. Is this during the match or before? This is this is before the match. It's like the warm up kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we, we go for our rolls and our stretches and stuff, and we try and piece together what this match is going to be like. Yeah. So I'm thinking, well, we're two big guys. We'll we'll lay lay some in a bit. We've got some little spots in there with some lifting spots. So, so you know, I'll I'll be this sort of heel, and I'll put the guy over, and you know, we both look good out of it. Mm. It got to about third way through that match. Um, we did a little spot where we did some stuff on the outside. I let him light me up, chop me, chop me to bits on the outside so the kids could see it and hear it. Yeah. And then he rolled me in the ring and then we do some stuff. Um, whether he decided he just didn't want to go and do what we were doing, meant to be doing or not. So the guy's, the guy's strong. We'll say that um, he goes to give me a scoop slam, so which I I'm not expecting, but I posted for it, um, knowing that he can. Dumps me on my side and completely knocks the wind right out of me. 
I don't know if that's some sort of statement he tried to try to think, or whether he wasn't happy with the way I was calling the match with him before. Um, so there's there's me working winded. Mm. I'm, kind of, I'm like, okay, I've got to try and salvage something out of this. And I, I, I think to myself, right, we've got this spot coming up. Okay, we can work to that. I can do a bit of stuff with him. Do some more striking. It's a bit all over the place because I'm trying to get him to work to the position where he needs to be at. Um, and the next spot is where I suplex him. Don't go over with him, but I, I drape him on the ropes. And at that point, the guy sandbags me. And I'm like, okay, you meant to... Did he, did he not hear me? Have I not counted him in? Have I not... I'm thinking, this is my fault. Mm. I think this must be my fault. Okay, so I count him in again. He doesn't go. Oh, for fuck's sake. Matt, I'm really pissed off with him. So I eventually managed to get him on the rope. It looked gash. And the next, the next part after this is I knock him off. Safely, he takes a bump to the floor. And then we do like a, a weird tank out thing on the outside. It all makes sense. Um, people, people who are privy to the, the, the calling of the match beforehand will, will say it makes sense. So I go to knock him off the apron. He doesn't go. I'm like, okay, is he trying to make this look a bit more realistic? So I super kick him. And I don't gently super kick him. I super kick him quite hard in the chest. He still doesn't go. I thought, well, fuck this then. I'm going to do the old Godfather thing, Ho train. Yeah. He needs to know what we're doing. So I'm like, I'll go do the pump up, run towards the ropes, run back, and the guy starts walking to the corner. What the fuck is he doing? So he gets in the ring. I'm trying to call stuff under my hair to him. And he's just laying some kicks and punches in. I'm like, well, I know what his finish is. And I know what the spot leading up to the finish is. Right, so I take a drop kick. I'm not going to go down because I'm saying there's a big guy. He does something else. Take a big knee. I don't go down because I'm a big guy. Mm. Gives me a drop kick off the top. Off the top. Because I'm a big guy, that's what it's going to take to take me down. That's the science that goes behind that match. So he overshoots it. I still bump, even though he's missed me. Um, and then he sets me up for a finish. This finish, he's, he's said to me before what it is. I didn't, I didn't understand what it was. I was expecting something like a claymore. And I thought, that's a really good finish. I can, I can get down with that. Mm. And what, what it invariably ended up being was a step up in Zaguri. So he's given me a gut kick. So I'm down. And then he's given me a, a step up in Zaguri, unprotected, because I'm expecting a claymore. He actually knocked me out, clean out for about two seconds. I was out on my back. And my shoulder was under the rope. And all I remember at that point was trying to shuffle myself back in the ring so that he could get his three count. And upon the three count, the ref at the time, um, Harry Mills, I will drop his name because he's a good lad, um, checked straight on me because he knew exactly what happened. Mm. And he's like, you okay? Do you, do, do you need anything? I'm like, well... Just give me two seconds. I'm just get my head straight, and I'll be out of the ring. So at this point, the the guy's done a celebration. Everyone's cheering. I'm still laid in the ring, and Andy Q's getting in the ring to start calling the next match. Just as I'm rolling out of the ring, and there's a bit at the end where I point and I shout at him, "It's your fault," and that's that was real. That was real. Mm. 
and you got backstage. I mean, this story's going on a bit long, but I, I need to let it go on, man. This. Right, we we go time. backstage, we sit down. Sky is there, ready, ready to calm me down because she knows I'm fucking fuming. Such an angel. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I'm visibly pissed off. For some reason, the other guy's pissed off as well. For some reason. Um, so Andy Q comes back after announcing the next match and he just goes to this guy, well, that was a match, wasn't it? Didn't even come and talk to me. Didn't even come and check to see if I was all right. Just had to go and protect his number one golden boy. That's six years of... Uh, that's six years of being loyal for you. So, the last time you worked for Red Pro. Um, I th think I might have had a Survivor Series style match with him that year, and that would have been the last one, lockdown. Yeah. But again, it's it's one of these always being last to be slotted into somewhere, not being on any match graphics, not being on any on your posters, not being a focal point because you know, look at me, I'm different. I'm I'm not massively yeah. muscular, but I'm tall. I'm six foot. Okay, that's tall for these guys. You know, people see me all the time in the shops like ah, that's Jimmy Uso. It's not Jimmy Uso, but if your kid wants to think I'm like Jimmy Uso, that's okay. Not a bad comparison, is it? I mean, it's, Jimmy Uso is fucking amazing. It's it's kind of like um, what in the pigeonhole me is Umaga. As, like a, as a knockoff Umaga, and I don't want that. I get it. They, you know, it's something, but if you're not selling me as Umaga, what you're fucking selling me as. Yeah. So... These these are the things that really bug me as well. It's like not just those matches. We'll we'll have um, guests come down and do um, the old training sessions. They'll take training special training sessions with us. And recently we had I say recently the last guy we had was Rhino, and had nothing but good things to say about my group because we did stuff in groups. Um, we had guys like Mal Sanders come down. And they'll say, you and and Crusher, Crusher Curtis, you know, Crusher yeah. Curtis. Me and him, we said you should like work together as a team. It'd be fucking brilliant. And it just falls on deaf ears. It's like stuff like that is money, but nobody's picking up on it, you know. And uh, we had who else? We have Mighty Jones, um, and that might be a swear word these days. Um, Again, he, he's never had an issue with me. Not an issue with him. We actually share a birthday, so we have a little joke about that every now and then. He was known for basically just beasting everyone for two and a half hours. And the last thing he said to me was, good for you for keeping up with everybody. And that's because of my size. Yeah. Now... A compliment. Yep. Um, this is it. I've always been getting confident with someone. One of the... One of the nicest compliments I had was from Dean Ayers. He came down and did a promo. Yeah, great mark Yeah. And the guys we had there, um, you know, we were there to learn. We did some good stuff. Now, whether people know or not, I'm I'm straight edge. It's a legit thing. Um, don't drink, don't do drugs, don't smoke. Um, so I was cutting promos about being straight edge. I mean, 
it's not incredibly original, but when you're a straight edge Samoan now, that's original. Um, so I was cutting promos about being straight edge Samoan, and Dean loved it up to the point where. The Andes came and they, they talked to him afterwards or towards the end of the session. They was like, yeah, these two guys, he mentioned me and he mentioned Will Castle. And he said, those two, they're good, but they're really good. Um, the only feedback I got of him was I like to script my promos. Mm. So I know where I'm going. Stuff. Um, not too dissimilar to the rock, I suppose. You've got bullet points, you know how to talk. Um, I think I've just been scared to talk in front of people, yeah. but now it's getting to that point where if you maybe if you give me a microphone in front of people at Buckland's at a Mountbatten Centre, and I've got a chance to talk to these people, maybe I can get a reaction from them. Maybe they'll boo that straight edge tomorrow, because at the end of the day, he's straight edge and he's better than every single one of you. Or you can do it the other way around. Mm. He's straight edge, and he's 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 the good guy, you know. And he draws his strength from all the goodness from these youngsters in the front row, the guys who don't want, you know, who don't drink, don't do drugs, who don't smoke. There's something there you can be done with it, you know. But now we've had this pandemic. We're looking at the tail end of things. We're looking at wrestling shows coming back. Um, I'm on the fence about doing stuff now. I mean, I've got I've got some dates and some people I will work for always. Mm. Um, shout out to to um, CWP or Nitro. He's someone who's always had, had time for me, and you know that proves it. You know, I've looked after him. He's looked after me. Yeah. I've not always had the full creative of what I wanted to do. Um, but I'm getting to do a little bit of what I want to want to be, what Eddie Kenway needs to be. And the, one of the best things is I get to do with some people that I like. You know, Sky Spitzen's been a rock the whole time for the last six, seven, eight years. You know, we've been best friends, we've gone to see shows, we've gone to gone to places like UPW shows it's a nice, nice little story to do with that as well I might, I might divulge that one if you've got time for it yeah of course um, so yeah back back on the cases like people shit on jo on um, Robbie Nitro as well um, yeah they do a lot so yeah I hear a lot because obviously you know me I, I work there as well yeah, and, yeah I, I hear a lot of things right. I mean he, he runs a charity promotion he doesn't make money out of this. He does it to, right. to give back to people because he's had a shit life. Yeah, it's a community guy. Yeah, and, um, you know, he admits he's not the best wrestler in the world. He likes to go out there and have some fun. I mean, I think um, yourself called reviewed um, a hardcore match ahead of him. It wasn't the best show, the best match of the night. But I was at the end of the day, that, that match was pretty much 80% called in the ring. And... We just, it was my first ever hardcore match. I had no idea what the hell was going to be like. And I had some criticism backstage, you know. But at the end of the day, it was, it was a, a match. We had, we had some fun. I looked after him. He looked after me. 
I didn't hate it. It just wasn't my favourite match on the card. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree, agree with that. Yeah, the hardcore match that you had, like, you know, like I said, I, I didn't hate it at all. Um, but, you know, I'm honest. I don't bullshit anybody, as you know. Um, it just wasn't my cup of tea. I think one of the things for me was the fact that a guy of your size should really lay your shit in. Like, I, I will not tolerate big guys not laying their shit in because I'm a big guy as well. So it's, there's nothing worse when you go to training and you put a forearm in and you do it safely, but you do it with a bit of force. And somebody goes, oh, you, you know, don't do that. And it's just like, yeah, mate, I'm 350 pounds and I'm six foot four. What the fuck else am I supposed to do? You know, <laughs> I love to have you. People are going to know that looks shit. So that was just my critique. But I didn't hate the match. I still enjoyed it. And I like Robbie as well. A lot of people don't like Robbie. They've got plenty of things to say behind his back. But ultimately, um, he's he's been very good to me. Yeah, this is it. Um, guys, the guys at Rare Pro say, don't go work there. It's just a shitty old two-piece company. But I need somewhere to get my practice. practice my work shit. is work. Yeah. Why would, you, why would you tell anyone not to work somewhere? Like, ultimately... Surely the bread and butter, like it's it's a family orientated company. It's like working a camp show. You're in front of kids, you know, families. Like you shouldn't turn your nose up at any booking, as far as I'm concerned, unless they obviously have a horrendous reputation for you know mistreating people. Yeah, I mean, there's there's one or two promotions I've done some favors for. And they they promised me money, and it's never materialized. So I'm not working for them anymore. Hmm. Um, I mean quite recently I've, i say i'd fallen out with a guy he's one of those tinfoil hat people and i just don't want to talk to him anymore <laughs> so, it's not um, austin aries is it <laughs> no, no, he I'm loves that stuff <laughs> no um well um yeah. can i ask you something let me jump in for a sec when you had that match at rev pro and you got knocked out um a lot of people listening to this will say, and I'm not here to cast judgment or aspersions. People are more than welcome to come on here and have their piece as well if they want. But ultimately, when you're knocked out in the ring and you go backstage and the promoter, for whatever reason, doesn't approach you, doesn't check in on your well-being, especially when the referee has, and has probably relayed that to him as well, that, you know, Eddie's taken a bit of a knock there for whatever reason. Um, mentally, do you not feel that at that point, that shows a real kind of negligence to your employees. Because ultimately, you're still an employee to this guy. You're working for him of a weekend. And not only that, you were doing a favour as well. You weren't scheduled to be there. So do you feel that Andy Quilden was negligent towards you? And do you feel like he should be responsible for that? Um, I think I took that as the norm there. Like, I think maybe because he didn't have an investment in what, what I was doing. Yeah. Maybe he probably didn't. Maybe he didn't know, and you know, maybe he would have checked if he did. And invariably, I don't think it matters because it was just a, ma a match to him. It wasn't anything important. It just put the guy over. But he's maybe also he the owner of the company. Is he not responsible for your well-being? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right about that. I'm not asking. I'm not asking you to shit on Andy Kildon. I don't dislike Andy. No, I mean, but when I, I hear it, how I hear it, what I've just been told is you got knocked out in the ring. And that would have been, let's be honest, mate, when someone like you gets knocked out, it's pretty obvious. Like, you are not exactly a tiny human being. You are a super heavyweight. You're a big, meaty hoss of a man, which, of course, is why you're very favorable on this podcast, because you love hosses. But, you know, if I hear somebody tell me, yeah, I got knocked out in the ring and then a promoter didn't even really approach me and just kind of palm me off for Golden Boy over there, questions should have been asked. Yeah, um, like I said, I've kind of taken that as normal. 
for my position there. Um, I think I only really ever had one one match that got a bit of advertisement for mm. that I got to put quite a bit of input for it too. And I've got to thank James Ty for that because myself and um, Matt Grayson took on James Ty and Andy Simmons. Um, again, I'm not going to shit on Andy Simmons because he's always looked after me. Um, but James Ty in that match said, right, what are we doing? And I said, well, there's this one thing I've done once before. I want to put it in the match. And he's like, okay, what's that? I said, well, I'll double somewhere and drop. Get you and Andy on there. It was nice to pop for the night. People remember me for that one little thing. That's what they say, isn't it? You know, yeah. try and make people remember that one thing about you. And we managed to work it into the match. Some people say it looked a bit phony, but, you know, how the hell are you going to get two people on your shoulder without legitimately deadlifting them off the floor? We did it from a corner spot. So, you know, whatever. But it was impressive. It was on the first match of the night. And I was told by several people it was the match of the night. So I thank them for that, um, Andy and James, because, you know, like Andy being being the guy he is, doesn't have to put me over. Mm. Um, I mean, invariably, we, we lost, lost the match, myself and Matt, but, you know, there was a starting point there for us as a tag team and it never took off and I want to know why I'd like to know why because we had a fucking fantastic match that night yeah to the point where people I remember this spot people will remember the Samoan guy that we said anything and I'm working as a face you know I, I, I'm easily I can easily work by face it's never been an issue I just want someone like someone that's referenced to say well we want you to fully commit to one or the other I just don't want to be this guy who fills them on every single show because you need a good guy or just because you need a bad guy. Maybe I, maybe I need to be the guy. Do you believe after six years of loyalty that you've earned enough loyalty and you've got enough, you know, loyalty in the bank, so to speak, for lack of a better term, yeah. that you should be treated a little bit better? Yeah. I mean, so, so we'll, we'll talk about the other stuff as well, like the airport runs, the stay up to ridiculous times in the morning. Yeah. Driving people driving people home that have nothing to do with the actual talent that are in the ring that are just I say just trainees. They're trainees in the same boat and you've got to drive back from London with them, dropping them all off at different spaces. You're the last one home at four o'clock in the morning. And then I've got to get up at half five for work. You know? That doesn't show loyalty, what does? Okay, I might not be at next next Wednesday's training session. Or I might not be at next Sunday's training session, or I might not be at the next show. But I'm not saying I want to be at Portsmouth Guildhall in them in their main event. I'm not saying I want to be at York Hall in their main event. Yeah, it'd be fantastic, but it would be nice to be regular at Buckland. It'd be nice to be regular at um, oh, I keep getting the other one now. But you know, you know, something bigger as well. Yeah. How bad? Yeah. I mean. I kind of am a regular at Mountbatten, but I think that's because they need the numbers rather than, do you know what? Out of the one, one of the, out of people that are going to be announced, I want to be one of the first four. I don't think I've ever had that. Hmm. Gav, how about you're going to be like double, double main event? Gav, you're going to be the opener with so-and-so. You've got four weeks to run a bit of um, social media presence for it. I mean, I, I do social media stuff anyway, whether I'm on a match or not. 
I've always pushed for FPRO stuff, I've always pushed yeah. on demand stuff. I've gone out my way to take time off work to go and run Colt Cabana. I mean, the guy is fucking brilliant. I love talking to him. I love having him in the car. But at the end of the day, I've lost out on £1,800 worth of work to drop Colt Cabana off to the York Hall and then back to to his hotel at the airport. Yeah. And then get home at 4 o'clock in the morning and nearly miss the next day's work. But, you know, that doesn't seem loyal enough. And then, you know, don't question my cardio because, okay, I'm a big guy, but we work around, work around being a big guy. I mean, I've got to train like all the, the other guys. I mean, you do 100 squats. Some people, this is one thing that really, really fucking bugs me. Someone who I know, who's meant to be my friend, um, says, if you can't do 100 body, body weight squats, you shouldn't really be looking at being in the business, like even to training. Right. The guy's what, 16 stone max, maybe? Try doing it when you're 24 fucking stone, man. Try doing 100 push ups when you're 24 fucking stone. Try doing a, a drop down leapfrog when you're 24 fucking stone. Yeah. Do you think that because of your size, they haven't recognized enough that, well, the guy's 24 stone, he's a unit. He shouldn't be launching around doing crazy high-flying international spots you should be leveling people that's what he does he's a destroyer like reach academy is a really good example of that down in cornwall they have two whopping great units of men they're called the monsters of men um redwood and uh silverback and their trainer and owner actually said to me yeah we don't get them to run the ropes because they're fucking massive and they shouldn't be running ropes like we want them to be able to run the ropes but when they're in matches i want to see them doing this i don't want to see them doing international i want to see them doing hurricane runners or whatever do you feel like rev pro is almost you know judging from that comment that's come from somebody do you think there's maybe an insinuation of it doesn't matter that you're 24 stone you should do everything that we do you know, as opposed to maybe focus, because there's ways of focusing your cardio and your strength and your training around your size as well. Like I'm a big guy like you, you know, we're a similar kind of body set. So, you know, I basically look at playing to my strengths and I think all wrestlers should play to their strengths. Do you not think you're afforded that opportunity enough at Red Pro? Yeah, I don't think so somehow. Because yes. you're the biggest guy there, like in terms of like proper hoss. Yeah. Like you, yeah. there's obviously, I mean, they've got big body guys, but they haven't got a big unit like you, you know, like a Crusher Curtis, you know, um, for lack of a better term, like a new Margaret. I know you don't like being compared, but I mean, he was a legend to me. Um, yeah, no, no, it's not like I don't like being compared. It's just like. Don't even pigeon. I'm, I'm not the next to Margaret. I'm the first fucking Eddie Kenway. Yeah. You know? Um, do you think people, because you're, um, because of obviously being a straight-edge Samoan, do you think people automatically just, do you think it's lazy for people to assume because you're Samoan that, oh, he's like Umaga, oh, he might be like Yokozuna or whatever, or is there, or do you feel that maybe a little bit of that's on you? Because ultimately, you're the guy who represents yourself, you're the guy who says to people, I'm a straight-edge Samoan. Do you think that there needs to be a bit of leeway there? Or do you think that people should be like, no, don't fucking associate me with those other wrestlers, associate me as me? Um, as fans, um, it's no problem. You, mm -hmm. you know, that guy looks like... So it's for a kid to to relate me to something. Okay, I look like <laughs> Umaga or, or, or one of the Usos. And, um, one of the most ridiculous ones I heard was as I was at a cinema and... The girl behind the counter said, "Oh, you look like Roman Reigns," and I'm like, "Okay." Definitely she, got the she, hair. She, that she, she did. She did the whole 
put the hand out on my hand sort of thing. But the problem was my wife was stood right there. She found it absolutely fucking hilarious. Like being hit on by a girl behind the counter because she thinks I look like Roman Reigns. But like in that situation, it's fine. Yeah. Like when you when you're training and your teachers or mentors want you to be something, they yeah. want you to be like something, not actually that thing. It's like okay, well, um, I think at the same, we'll go back to this this terrible, awful shit show of a match. At that show, I'd um, I had some entrance music made up. Entrance music sometimes isn't fucking cheap. Um, mm. And it's something that you invest in as your character. Yeah. Um, quite lazily, I was given Umar's theme by, by Andy Q. And I said, if you're going to do that, could you at least make it the good one? Because they gave me the second one, which is basically just loads of jungle noises. They didn't even give me the good one for the famous first, first run. And I was like, you just don't care. I've spent so much money on this fucking theme tune. Why did he not um, use your entrance music? Because I've heard that. It was really good. Yeah, he just didn't mean that. Just didn't, wasn't even entertaining the idea. He's like, nah, you can just go out to the Marley's music. Okay, whatever. He's, he's got in his head whether, whether he wants to use me for stuff or whether he doesn't. Um, for him, all I want it to be is a regular name on his local shows. Yeah. If he ever thinks I'm good enough to go on to bigger shows, then you know, then that's for him to put forward. Maybe approach me one day, say, "No, I've got a spot here if you want it." But I don't think it's ever coming. Um, where it puts me now is an awkward position. It's like, well, after this lockdown, do I go back to Rethro and go through the same shit I've gone through for the last six years, or do I look at pastures new, hmm. or do I give it up and stop? I mean. Something back here is telling me, you know, do you for once. Stuff the loyalty now. I mean, you get treated better elsewhere. And I know I'll get treated better elsewhere. And I will get used for, for local shows. And that's pretty much what I want. So if it turns out that I, I, I burn my bridges with Red Pro, and I probably will on the back of this, someone's going down to tell him, um, your loss. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Behind you, um, I have to point it out, is your No Limits Championship. Um, yeah. yeah, there's there's a few questions that come with that. One is, why have I not got a fucking title shot yet? But that's neither here nor there. Um, I know what Dan Barnstall's doing. He's protecting you. I know exactly what he's up to. I know exactly what he's doing. And I bet if Sky was cornered, she'd say, I think that would be a great match. <clears throat> and I shall pressure her for that when she finally comes on this podcast because she's ducking me as well. Um, <laughs> no, I love her dearly. I, I want to talk about the takeover because that's such a cool little concept and it's a cool little faction. It's you, it's Dan Barnstall, it's Sky Smithson, it's been Ian Logan. These are all fucking cool people and I really like the idea of it. And obviously my first exposure, remember when I covered that match of yours with Robbie and, you know, I remember going to that show and seeing the tag, you got great gimmick, great shirt. And obviously Dan Barnes was one of the best mic workers in the business. He's so good at talking. He's so cool and calm and collected. And also really lovely guy who's always had time for me, always willing to push for me when other people thought I was nobody and should be in the background. So I've always appreciated that. Um, what's it like being around Dan and the takeover and everything that comes with it? Because for me, that feels like you've had an opportunity to show who you are, who Eddie Kenway is, and be creative within yourself and not be pigeonholed. 
uh, this is exactly that. Um, because I think because it was Sky, Sky and Ian took the conscious effort to, well, and Dan as well, um, to bring me on board to do this little faction and have a bit of fun with it. Yeah. You know, heel factions are a thing. They, they, you know, you've had the NWO, you've had the Degenerates, Generation X, and um, it's, yeah, it's just been a good way of having fun, you know, having a fun, good, good laugh with your mates and, and getting to do the thing that you love doing is wrestling. You're getting to do it with your friends, people that you like hanging around with. It's, I mean, this goes back to um, like Robbie giving me a chance. I think I had one, maybe two matches on his cards beforehand before they thought about putting me in TakeOver. Hmm. Um, TakeOver, we, we, we always talked about how cool would it be to go to um, Buckland take you know take take over a match there literally take over the show um or you know even branch out a little bit further and do something else in one of their bigger shows i mean it probably never would have come to fruition but the possibilities are there you know we, we have this this uh, this faction and they, you know you've got some good names in there and um uh also, in, in there, people don't know about was the executioner was there for a while, Gary Ward. Yeah. He was, um, you know, the, him and Ian uh, were a tag team for a while back. Um, and I think there's something Ian maybe wanted to do again. But within the realms of TakeOver, it worked just, you know, it would have worked so well. You, you could you know, to hit tag team champions as well as, you know, um, Sky was the women's champion. You got me and uh, with no limits championship, and um, yeah, we just we just wanted to take it elsewhere. I mean, UPW were, were conscious of us. They know that because they Dan. Dan was a big thing with UPW. Yeah. Um, you know why? Why couldn't we work our way in there a little bit? You know. But yeah, it's it's one of those things that. I mean, spoiler alert, it may it may or may not be a full takeover going forwards. Um, there's some talk in the works of what's going to happen now, obviously, because things need to change direction after this pandemic, because, you know, <laughs> you look at Walter's reign as, as um, the WWE UK t- uh, champion. Yeah. Me as the, the No Limits Championship just fucking eclipses that. I've got a good good three or four hundred days of Walter. <laughs> uh, fuck wow. you, Walter. That's a long time. I hit out Walter. I'm going to tag Walter in this. He'll love yeah. to hear that. No <laughs> limits versus the UK champion would be fantastic, um, wouldn't it? I think I'm somewhere near the thousand mark at the moment, thousand days. Bloody hell. <clears throat> Is that why you don't want to give me a title shot? Because you don't want yeah, anyone to I'll see new I'll see new wrestling all these wee nippers like Aaron Cruz and Ebenezer. That's all very well and good, mate. Let's see how you do with a 350 pounder. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a chance, mate. All I want is one title run before I retire. That's it. Nobody will put a belt on me. They fear me. Um, yeah, man, I, I I love that. And by the way, you obviously you've got the new belt as well, which is gorgeous. That is a beautiful belt to behold. It really is. Yeah, beautiful. that that is that is my personal trophy to myself. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things where I thought to myself, if I never accomplish anything else again in my life, um, whether it be getting any opportunity with Red Pro. 
whether it's any more titles at CWP, whether UPW decide that they want to use me after all this time I've been trying to do stuff with them. Um, you know, that's just a reminder that I did this one thing once and it meant something yeah. to me. I mean, you still bring it to the ring, don't you? It's not like you only use the original one. Um, there's talk of me bringing it to the ring and using it. Should do. Looks fucking amazing. Who made it? Um, John Nurse. Uh, John Nursel. Oh, I know John. He's, yeah, he's a friend of mine. Yeah. 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 He um, makes the best belts. He's the guy you want to be speaking to. He is so good. 3D FX. He makes beautiful belts. Yeah. Yeah, we'll tag him in the description of the uh, podcast because he's definitely worth a hit up if you need a belt. Um, fair enough, mate. I mean, you've had plenty to say. Is there anything in particular else you'd like to talk about before I throw a couple of random hilarious questions at you? Yeah, I wanted to tell my story about UPW. Um, yeah, that's, that's right, a good one. So they had, um, what they call it, the Next Generation show. They did hmm. a show in Yeovil. Um, this is the only opportunity I ever got with them. Basically, it was a trainee show. They get to get some other people in as well. Um, just just to kind of test some talent out, I suppose. And they'd approached me, or I'd managed to get myself in, I can't remember. Um, and I was going to be working Curtis Chapman. Not bad match show, if you think about it. Yeah, great so, reps. So, so um, immediately, he, uh, Curtis has come to me, he's like, right, traveling's a little bit of an issue, do you mind if I jump in with you? Yep, no problem. Um, am I allowed to bring my girlfriend along as well? Yep, no problem, because my wife's coming, Sky's coming, I've got a full car. You know, it's good support. It's going to yeah. be some good, good support there for us. More bodies, yeah. You need more bodies, man. Yeah, and you know, it means Sky's going to be there as, again, like a third voice when you pull on your match. She's going to be there helping them out with the ring, helping out with their refs and stuff. Because I think on that day they had a ref um, training seminar and she actually ended up taking it like off the cuff. Yeah. She's just taking it for them. Um, you know, she's there as buying a ticket as well. Girlfriend's there as buying a ticket. Uh, so you make, you're making money. Even, even after the, the, the expenses from myself and Curtis Chatwin. Um, so late, later on they announced Lion Kid. Uh, this is what I'm going to name. So, oh, the front door. <laughs> ah, it's Lion Kid. <laughs> or maybe it's Volta. He's like, you got something to say? <laughs> Six and a half hours later. Yeah, so a couple of weeks later, they announced Lion Kid. And uh, he drops me a message. Um, oh, have you got any space in your car? You know, would I be able, would I be able to come up? In the boat. And I said, um, <laughs> I said, oh, no, sorry, mate, um, I can't. I've got a full car. Hmm. You know, I wasn't rude about it. Um, and I had, I've got a full car, wife's coming up. It's a long drive from Gosport to Yeovil. I will say that's a very fucking long, long drive. And um, so we, we get up, gets closer to the show, um, and Lion Kid texts me back again. You sure you've got no room for me in the car? Said no, I'm taking myself, taking Curtis Chapman. I've got Sky coming with me. She's a UPW work regular. The girlfriends and the wives are coming. I've got no room in the car. And you think five seater car with two two or three workers' suitcases in the back? You've got no fucking room at all. Might even to wedge someone else in there. Yeah. Um. And then he starts getting all arsy with me. I'm like, 
oh, don't you think maybe because because I'm a veteran, you should be taking me up, blah, blah, blah. Wow. So said, well, well, no, because I've got a full car. It's already organised. Uh, can't you make you get, you your wife uh, take a different car or something? I'm like, what? You try to get get me to take two cars up. So I've got to pay twice twice the amount of sets of fuel to, just to take you up. I said, sure, surely um, you should have sorted out your expenses with with um, who was running the shop and it's Mark at the time. But um, he, he he went a bit funny with me then. And then all of a sudden there's a, a group message from Mark saying, oh, I'm just going to confirm everyone's um, travel expenses, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, sake. He's had a moan to Mark now about me, isn't it? Because I won't give my lip. Okay, what's this about? And Mark said, just confirming that I'm paying you per mile. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. How many miles is it? Now, I un- underestimated my mileage. I will t- I'll tell you this now. I underestimated it because I worked it out through Google Maps and it gave me a straight point to point yeah, to say it, was from, say it was 50, 50 miles or whatever. Now, I actually drove probably three times that going down all these roads. So I I un- underdid myself there. Um, so I got, I got underpaid for that, but that's my fault. But on the back of that, I've had, I've had a match with Curtis Chapman and it was a decent match for mm. someone who was pretty green, um, myself. And I think Curtis looked after me a bit. And maybe in the ring, he was putting himself in spots that he didn't need to be putting himself in. It's like, okay, let me do my stuff. Don't need to babysit me too much. Yeah. And we put, again, put in a good match. And I know it was a good match because Sky told me. If I was shit, she would have told me it was shit. Um, um, we did the. Uh, Crossbody off the top into the world's strongest slam spot. So Curtis, Curtis Chapman comes off the top rope, catch him out of midair, hold him for ages, and then give him the world's strongest slam. Massive pop. Um, and from what I gather, I thought, oh, well, that went really well. Now, while all this is going on, um, Curtis's girlfriend, my wife, and Sky are sat in front of the merch table. Now, we know as wrestlers, when we Attend shows. We try to keep ourselves at the back, not in, not in anyone's view. Don't take take anything away from what's going on in the ring. Yeah. Now, my wife, Kurt's girlfriend, and Sky over here, um, lying his girlfriend on the merch table, selling his stuff, moaning about about me. Um, and then I think lying kids in on the table as well, trying to trying to sell his phone fingers. Um, and there was rumours of him starting on me. Uh, after after the match, after the show, sorry. Um, needless to say, it didn't happen. Uh, oh dear. I think at this point, at this point, he came up to the changing room, and he came in. Me and Curtis, uh, before the match, were sat there wrapping our wrists up and that lot. And he said, "Oh, I want to talk to you." I said, "Fine." I shuffled, I shuffled down my bench, and I said, "Come sit here, talk. Don't mind." Going on, wrapping my wrists up. He's like, no, 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 I'll talk to you after the show. And then every, everything I heard from my wife downstairs, because she'd uh, been texting me, oh, his girlfriend says he, he's going to be starting on you later after the show. So that's fine, I'll, I'll wait around. Um, so I let everyone leave after the show, check with Mark. Yeah, we put on a good good match, mate. Okay, cool. Expecting there might be some more work for me coming my way. And then I'm waiting, waiting around for Lion Kid. Um, 
And now I'm waiting in the, the main hallway. There's nowhere else for anyone to go. For some reason, the little weasel manages to get out, get in his car and do, do the off before bumping into me. Ugh. What a melt. <laughs> all, 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 over, all over me not giving him the lick. Wow. Any, any spoilers as to what might have happened? Should he have actually followed through on his promise? <laughs> um, yeah, I think you can imagine what could have happened. Fair enough. Fair enough. World's Strongest Slam Part 2. Um, <laughs> <laughs> simple as that, really. Yeah, I, I, I will say I tried to make it up to him a little bit later on down the line with the show with Kapow. Yeah. And he couldn't get a lift in. I say couldn't get a lift in. Uh, so it's like, is anyone free to pick him up? Well, oh, okay, I can I can swing by. It's a little bit out of my way, but I'll swing by and pick him up. Okay, I'm gonna go pick him up. I said to him, I believe you've had some transport issues. You wanna jump in? We'll head down to the show. Oh yeah, thanks, Gav. And it was like, oh, oh, it wasn't wasn't that I couldn't travel. I was just I was just seeing if anyone wanted to split um, uh, expenses or anything it was like. So I've gone out of my way. You could have come down. And, oh, <laughs> I've tried to make it up to him by coming to pick him up. Like, okay, just whatever. It is what it is. I like, oh. Honestly, I thought I was sensitive, mate. Tried, tried to big league me a few times. But, right. Fun. Any other stories you want to share, mate? Um, I can't think any off the top of my head. But, fair dues, fair dues. I do have word association, which I'm really looking forward to with you. So, you, uh, I want you to tell me uh, one word that comes to mind whenever I mention this individual's name, and uh, you can be as honest or as dishonest as you like. However, before I do, I don't know if you've noticed your Twitter account over the last couple of hours. Um, no. One Cameron Anderson has uh, made it official and he called you out on Twitter. He's a good friend of the podcast, Cameron. He's somebody who trains with me down at Quality. Um, what do you, you have to say to Cameron? Because uh, poor Cameron, he's 19 years old and about 10 stone maybe if soaking wet. He's a very small age. He's basically Aaron Cruz 2.0 in a lot of ways. Um, probably slightly more charisma. No offense, Aaron. What do you think about Cameron Anderson calling you out on Twitter? Yeah, bring it. Um, I don't mind. I will wrestle anybody. Robbie Nitro, book that match, please. It won't last very long, so it won't take up too much time. And I'm sure Cameron will do it for a hot dog and a handshake because apparently that's the that's the thing in wrestling. But there you go. Yeah. Is there anyone in particular you want to defend that belt against? Other than yourself? I don't think it would make much sense to, to defend it against you, but... Um, Why would it not make sense to defend it against me? Both, both heels, I think, would be much. I just assume I'm a heel. Crowd loves me. <laughs> Classic heel manoeuvre. I'm delusional, mate. Crowd loves me. What are you talking about? I got quite the pot when I came out in that fatal four way, even though I was meant to be a heel, but don't worry about it. <laughs> I was like, what are you cheering for? Shut up. <laughs> Good fun. meaty hosses have got to stick together. So but at least put me in the takeover then or something, or give me a tag, man. Maybe we will tag together at some point. That would yeah, be, uh, that that would be very nice. To be yeah. fair, I, st- I still think we would make an amazing. Although we'll probably get the Samoan SWAT team combination thing going on. That'll be what they'll try to call us in. It's like just out of curiosity for anyone. I'm Egyptian, not fucking Samoan. There's a big difference. Trust me. Um, <laughs> could just call ourselves the ethnic minorities, bro. There you go. 
<laughs> People would love that. We could go around to like all the like proper white places where UKIP are and really trigger them all. That'd be great fun. Yeah. Come on, that's that's mad heel heat. That is or face heat, depending if you're wrestling Brighton or not. But it uh, that depends. All right, word association. I thought this would be good fun. I'm going to read out this list of names of people that are in front of me, and you give me one word to uh, sum that person up. Uh, let's start off with something nice. Sky Smithson. Oh, legend. Future legend. She's amazing, isn't she? Can you can you give her a little nod for me? Just a little poke. Go on the wrestle plug. It's fun. I'm, I'm a nice person. I won't roast you, I swear. We love women's wrestling here. Uh, Zan Phoenix. Underrated. Underrated. Yeah, I like that. I like that. My experience, my experience with her, she, she, I think she gets her nerves get better at her sometimes, but she's a lot more talented that she, than she believes she is. And this yeah. is why I meant, pointed out earlier that she has these matches with Sky and they just click so well. I mean, they've had three or four matches at CWP. They've had one, one for Red Pro and their Buckland show. And she, she definitely gets the, takes, uh, gets the best out. That's why it's fair. Sky Switzerland gets the best out of her in the ring. And she puts on really good shows that way. Yeah, I would. I if I ran my own promotion, they would be running a series of matches for me because I just think they're both fucking amazing. Um, George Francis, I just want to go friendly. He's he's, he's a guy. He, he I won't hear from him for a while, but I know he actually worries about me as a friend. Yeah, he's, he's a nice guy. The, the, the good people that 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 you ha- should have in your life because they actually give a shit. James Ty? James Ty. Oh, I love that guy. I don't see enough of him. Um, he was my favourite wrestler growing up. I loved him. I used to go and see him like for FWA. I thought he was amazing. He is. He's so good. I just think some something something at home or with work, he doesn't have enough time to to co- commit to wrestling. And yeah. I think I so privileged to actually get in the ring with him and I so I'll, I'll put it my number one ever favorite match that I've had is with him and um, Andy Simmons that was yeah. that match hands down was my favorite Dan Barnsdall the voice the voice I know there's other guys that you'll, you there's other guys that have that tagline as being the voice but for, for me it's weird because he's, he's a He's been a friend of a cousin of mine for, for a long time hmm. and I've, I've only really got to know him through wrestling for the past several years and yeah he's he's such a good guy um he got an opportunity with Redford to do their announcing forever what reasons i don't know why he's not there he was anymore. so good at it as well he was good at it. <clears throat> but yeah I'm, i've always got time for him always 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 we're just going with voice, are we? <laughs> this is it. Voice. He likes gold. <laughs> yeah, he does. He rocks a pair of shades as well. you got to be special to wear a pair of shades indoors and not look like a complete burk. What's that? Up at, at your doorstep at two o'clock in the morning just for socks and shades, and you will not be disappointed. <laughs> oh, dear. I don't think anyone wants me on their doorstep at two in the morning, to be fair, mate. Ebenezer the geezer. <laughs> These are still people that I don't spend enough time with. I love them so much. I don't get to spend enough time with them. Like, 
we all really just have a big old fucking drink up. Let's just have a fucking yeah, meal and a drink. We need to do that. And I think, I think um, he'll be seeing my face a bit more often after this, this shit show of a, you know, life that has been the past year. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's, yeah, I've got all the time in the world for him. He is genuinely one of the best friends I've ever made. And you don't make many friends in this business. Well, you can make a lot of money or you can make a lot of friends, as the good man Scott Hall once said. Ah, there's a few here. I'm not sure how well you'll know them, but they were desperate to have their name put on this list because they've got egos, bless them. Aaron Cruz. Who? Ah! <laughs> Love it! <laughs> Some geezer you squashed in five seconds. Do you know what? I I loved having him uh, for his first match. I mean, you know, the lad didn't get a lot, but his first matches go. He loves you. <laughs> the experience, it's the experience, isn't it? It's like, yeah. you need someone, even if you're out there for 10 seconds, he, he got to have an entrance, you got to get in the ring, you got to like, t- take a move, have a couple of bits of the show, and people might just know him as, oh, he got his ass kicked or whatever, first time, but that's your first match. You're not always going to win your first match. I certainly did win my first match. Um, I, I'm glad I couldn't do more with him if I had a singles match. But for the story that wanted to be told for that, and um, you know, just to help him set, set his nerves backstage, look after him, yeah. Um, and yeah, just make sure he's in a good place for his, ma- his first match. And you know, I couldn't ask anything else for him, from him. He, he did everything he needed to do, and I just hope he does more. I want to see more from him, you know, because yeah, I love I love the guy. Yeah, right before the pandemic, actually, he had a really, really special tag team match for Future Pro. Uh, him and Ethan yeah. took on um, uh, Rishi and Malik. It was a really, really good match, and it just showed that he's he's going in the right direction. So if he ever becomes a megastar, he can thank you for that. Uh, Cameron Anderson. Cameron Anderson. Um, I don't know who Cameron is. Nobody does. <laughs> I'm sorry, I really am. Um, uh, my word would be fuck boy, just saying. Um. <laughs> I tell you, I, I need to do some more research. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. Keep, keep an eye on him. He could be something special. He's got wicked charisma, I'll say that much. Um, let's see. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Mark Sloan. Mark Sloan. Um, not had much to do with Mark Sloan, but I'm. I've heard some good stories. I've heard some bad stories. So I am. Um, I don't really have an opinion on on that guy. So fair enough. You don't have to answer if you don't want to, mate. There's no force in here. Um, Curtis Chapman. Hmm. Hmm. You talk about or Curtis Mad Chapman? Kurt. Oh, Mad Kurt. Current, current incarnation of, of Curtis Chapman. Um, It's weird. I love. I love the guy. I don't know what sort of wrong word I would put to put to it. I don't. It's, I mean, I've, I've had a couple of singles matches with him. So uh, professional people think maybe he isn't because of Mad Kurt, but mm. he is solid, consummate professional. He's never. I've never seen him come across anything. So yeah, he may. He may, he may have refused to take one or two of them. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Oh, God. You'll be next in the fight. Although, I've noticed anyone who gets in his firing line tends to gain a lot more followers now. So maybe being roasted by Mad Kurt isn't a bad thing. So, no, yeah. I think he has a big Twitter following. Yeah, he'll probably have something quite horrendous to say to me at some point. I'm waiting for that. With I'm stealing myself a Mad Kurt, mate. He's terrifying, bless him. Um... I'm looking for a few of these. They might be slightly contentious, so I'm going to avoid those. I feel like you've shared enough, bless your heart. Uh, let's go for something a bit nicer, shall we? Joshua James. Oh, where do I go with this one? I like the guy. Um, I mean, you don't have to character assassinate people. You can literally just say one word and bail out. Uh, I know, but I maybe give a little bit where I sit with the people so I don't just like shit and run or whatever. Yeah. But I like the guy. I kind of feel he's stolen my spot in Rev Pro. Really? Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to take anything away from him. The guy's worked his fucking ass off. Yeah. He's in great shape at the moment as well. He's in great shape at the moment. And um, I won't... I mean, even even when he was bigger... The only issue I have with what he is now is how does he work? Because this is the thing with, with say, with me, if I was pressured to drop a shitload of weight, I start becoming less of a heavyweight. Hmm. And then you kind of, yeah, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? It's hard to have that balance. Like, you know, Vader wouldn't be a destroyer if he was 250 pounds, would he? So <laughs> That's fair enough, mate. That's fair enough. Uh, Paul Birchall. Paul Birchall. Is this because of the comment the other night on um, something came I'm, up one of the rest? I'm not aware of a comment. What happened there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just because no, so, so, I know he's an FWA legend and that. And no, okay, yeah. um, I love Paul Birchall. One of my favourites. I love Paul, no, Paul Birchall, especially as the Butch character. Mm. He had in WWE before they let him go. I actually thought he was really getting some footing somewhere and then out of the blue, gone. But uh, Something cropped up yesterday or the day before about his pairing with Katie Lee. Um, again, she's a gorgeous lady, gorgeous, gorgeous lady. Um, <laughs> there was there was a thing about his this whole incest uh, um, angle. Yeah, that was fruity, <clears throat> wasn't it? <clears throat> I, th- uh, I think that was, that was a Vince McMahon thing that they wanted to. Uh, Classic Vince They didn't know where to put it, but. Yeah, I mean, people remember him for his pirate gimmick. Um, you know, that was all great. And then he transitioned to this this more serious character. And I actually drew parallels with the way Triple H was. And I thought, do you know what? They're going to they're gonna strap a rocket to him and he's going to be like the next Triple H. But that never seemed to come. Hmm. I, I don't know what the in and out of that was, but I was really looking forward to him being maybe the first British champion. Uh, one word for Paul Birchall. Oh, just underutilized, mass, massively <laughs> underutilized. Yeah, just, just completely missed a trick with that one. I was worried you're gonna go with like incest or something. And I was like, uh oh, it's Vince McMahon, it's not us, it's Vince McMahon. Blame him, please direct all your hate mail to Vince McMahon. Terrifying. All right, mate. Um, one more, one word to describe this man, Eddie Kenwood. Not finished. That's two words. There's a hyphen in there somewhere. 
Watch legend. Space, um, Absolute legend. <sighs> I get the chips sorted. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that yeah, in end of this year things will turn around for me. And um, good man, you'll always have support here, mate. Always. Hope, hopefully, my, my bridges will either be a burnt or maybe I'll get approached by Mr. Gordon and we can do something a bit more productive than just. Yeah, I'd like to think Andy would approach you and honestly, I'd like to see the positive side of it. I'd like it if Andy approached you and said, do you know what, let's let's work out some things, you know, let's see what the issues are and work towards them because I think that's how adults should do their business. So with any luck, you might get that, mate. But I've always, I've always been an adult there at RevPro and... Uh, their trainees there a lot of them want to work with me so i did so like, like you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned george francis he's so much he's got he's got to be in a couple of matches himself and he wants to do more so you know let's do he more. could be spectacular as well he's got There's people untapped potential. Um, yeah yeah he can he, I mean, quite famously ended up on botchamania once but did he really um, yeah it's no idea about that. Um, I think there was a spot. He was a uh, new wave of wrestling. Curtis Chapman and Dan McGee. He went to do a power bomb and his leg just buckled on the finger. And it looked quite painful, I'll say. But... We'll splice it in just for the sake of it, if we can find it. So I'll put a nice little copyright, you know. Matthew from Botchermania right now. Um, cool. Yeah. Mate, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure, mate. Is there anything you want to say before we wrap it up? Um, support local wrestling. It's... Maybe if it's not me, there's other guys that are local that are extremely talented and they're, they're going to be aiming for the big leagues now that there's more than just one option. Mm. Um, you know, WWE got an NXT... UK brands, you could see them there. You know, Gary from next door, whatever his name is, you could see him on AEW one day. I mean, you know, we've seen Jamie Hayter on AEW. I know, I know, I think she's had a match with WWE UK as well. So there's, there's people that I know who moved, moved up and it leaves spots for other people down here to, to progress. Yeah. Um, am I ever going to be anything massive? Probably not because I'm getting too old now. I'm too out of shape. Um, and, you know, unless something drastically changes with my life, it's probably not going to ever be there for me to, to take something massive on. But do you know what? If we ever get a cameo on AEW, Cody, please. It'd be quite <laughs> nice. Um, Tagged. Yeah, yeah. That would be nice. No. Yeah. Things like that would be nice. But... Mate, if they put Luther on their TV, they've got no excuse not putting you on because that guy sucks. Sorry. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not holding it back. That guy sucks. I'm so sick and tired of seeing him waltz around like some big old fucking giant egg. Like, book Eddie Kenway instead. He would be much better with the Pentaco than that clown. Yeah, I just, I just want to be that local guy that people bump into the shop and go, hey, I know you. I'm like, hey, kid, high five. Awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Where's your uh, where's your social media links, mate? Where can people get at you if they want to tweet or Facebook Eddie Kenway and tell him how ridiculously gorgeous he is and hit on him as the next Roman Reigns? Oh, sexy! Cool. I am Samoan Eddie thirteen. Now I'm just about the same everywhere. Um, Eddie Kenway on Facebook, Samoan Eddie thirteen on Twitter, and I believe on the same on Instagram as well. Don't forget to get 
on the WrestlePlug one as well, guys. Show you love. You're the only wrestler who said that. <laughs> Nobody else. I've had Josh Alexander on. Even he didn't play. Although he did say he'd come back on when he's the heavyweight champion. So, you know, can't really complain too much. Um, mate, it's been a fucking pleasure. We'll have you back on. If there's anything you can think you want to talk about, maybe later down the line, don't hesitate to contact me and we'll have you back on because it's really been a joy. I am pleased to finally have one member of TakeOver on this podcast under my belt. Sky Smithson, you're next. Stop hiding from me. 